If you're lucky, you listen to them talk. They're on their way up and they can't stop. For all things great iron and hard top, it's Kevlu and Steve since the sandbox. Since the sandbox fans, we are back in another week with our impressions. Before we jump in with all of our games, guys, just want to give everyone an update on all things since the sandbox. Another huge weekend collecting canned goods for our Thanksgiving canned food drive. We set a goal of 300 cans, and guys, we already surpassed this in the second weekend doing this. Our goal was 300 cans. Like I said, we're already at 423 cans. We still have a bunch of money donated, still have so many cans committed to this cause. So now our goal is really to try and get above 500 to 600. Just wanted to thank everybody for that. But like I said, guys, back with our impressions, our first game of the week was that Thursday night football game. Go back, go. The Packers continue to dominate Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. You know, look good as always. And I have to say, guys, for that 49ers team, they are a team playing pretty good with, with all things, you know, being considered for their team. And do we think that, you know, maybe coming off the COVID list and getting some guys healthy down, down the stretch of the, the end of the season, you know, most are possibly Jimmy G, that this could be, you know, a seven-seed team in the NFC playoff push? Uh, I don't know about a playoff team, but I think they'll definitely be tough for a lot of other teams to play. You know, I mean, they still have a solid defense. It's just tough when you can't move the football. But once they get healthy, they're still a really good football team. This is just one of the situations where, like, a good team is really banged up and they might just have to play the hottest they can and look forward to next year. But the Packers did look good, and it was nice to see them get a little bit of the swag back after losing to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I'm in the same boat with Lou. I wouldn't necessarily say a playoff team, but. Like Lou said, definitely still a good core, guys, and you know, definitely things to look forward to for seasons to come. Yeah, and we talked about you know how Rogers has had his struggles in Tampa playing San Francisco, so this was definitely an important game for the Packers because I feel like it could have went you know two ways. Clearly, could have felt how we do now, pretty confident about the Packers and how they look going forward. But if they didn't win this game and, you know, they struggled against the 49ers, I feel like it could have had, you know, the very opposite effect and could have moved, you know, the Packers around the back end of our top 10. But thank God that didn't happen. Guys, another team we all have ranked pretty high in our power rankings. The Chiefs are rolling 17-1 uh, and in their last 18 games, which is a pretty impressive record counting the playoffs and everything like that. Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill combined for 19 receptions and 272 yards. So talk about dominant. But guys, on the other side of the ball, the Carolina Panthers, I thought Teddy Bridgewater played extremely well throughout this whole game. He didn't have an interception. You know, he managed. He was using his feet more than he usually would. Made a couple of great third down plays, and, and I don't think his receivers really helped him out at all. I don't know if that's, you know, to credit the Chiefs defense, but got to give kudos to Teddy Bridgewater there. Yeah, man. I mean, I expected the Chiefs to win this game. I mean, they look good. The defense still, I think I have some questions in, in coverage just because a team like the Panthers, I mean, they can't be hanging up that many points on you. But, but like you said, see, Teddy Bridgewater plays very well, dude. He's good under pressure. He doesn't turn the football over very often. And they were trying to work back CMC and work back Mike Davis in that mix, you know what I mean, not really neglect him. I, I know McCaffrey got majority of the snaps, but so Mike Davis still showed up and did his thing. Yeah, but the Chiefs are good and they're still rolling. But the Panthers are, are arguably the best team with a losing record in the league right now. 
I was expecting a close game out of this. If if anyone tuned into Degenerate Sundays, I said to definitely take Carolina with that. Uh, I think it was a 10-point spread. Steve, I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. But knew this was going to be a close game, especially with McCaffrey coming back. I knew the Panthers would want to get him acclimated back onto the field and back into the swing of things. But lose right, I mean, for a team with a losing record, it's a very good team. You know, I think barring injury, obviously McCaffrey's injury, looking forward into next season, I think they have a lot to look forward to. They have good wide receiver core. Teddy Bridgewater is emerging as a, as a good quarterback. And like I said, they obviously have CMC and Mike Davis in the backfield. So the next couple of seasons, it's going to be interesting. And, it, and I'm going to be watching the Panthers because I think they have a lot to look forward to. You know, obviously this year it's not looking too good, especially, you know, in their division with, with the Bucks and, and everything and the, and the Saints. But definitely a lot to look forward to, I think, with the next season or two. Yeah, even the Atlanta Falcons, you know, they're turning it around uh, with their new head coach. It's crazy. They're back in the mix, too. I mean, it really makes you wonder what would have happened if a couple of those earlier games went a different direction. We'd really be talking about a different team, but that defense would still be pretty good, Bob. I think we would all agree about that. Moving to another game, the Titans won an important game. And, you know, the Bears really didn't show up until the fourth quarter, which is very Chicago Bear-like. We've seen that at multiple points in this season. But at one point, the Bears had a, a top-five record in the league, and now they're just one game above five hundred. So I think that's something to watch, something to talk about throughout this game. And something also to mention, Henry struggled. You know, Derrick Henry didn't have a big day. That Chicago run defense was very good throughout the afternoon. And I don't want to say that the passing game of Tennessee had a huge day, but, you know, that's definitely what helped them manage to get by. So I, th- I thought that this was an important game for the Titans to win. Yeah, it wasn't. And I've never, ever seen a game with two teams that have good records that was so goddamn boring and uninteresting. Like, it should have been a great game, and it, and it was slightly competitive, I guess. But the Bears were all along with what I've been saying. They were fool's gold. Uh, a good defense that has to get multiple turnovers in a game to give the offense a chance. Uh, Nick Foles is not good. He's a good backup, but he's not good, man. Uh, they were pulled Trubisky at 3-0. Now Foles is 2-3, and I believe, at this point, or 2-4. and It's just, dude, how much more do we have to see to figure out this guy is, is not a starter in the league? And Tennessee looks solid, man. The Bears, I think there is a formula to stop them. You can kind of take Derrick Henry out of the game in a sense, which obviously isn't easy it really does shorten up what, what the Titans can do on offense. Yeah, I mean, it, it kills me to see this because you guys know I think very highly of the Biz predicted them winning their division. But yeah, I mean, it really is the same thing over and over again. It's it's the lack of offense. And, you know, like you said, you play the Titans and you slow Derrick Henry down. A lot of the time you should win that game. But I think Tennessee's just got too many weapons on offense. I mean, they have a very good wide receiver core, very big wide receiver core. We've been talking about how good Tannehill has been all year. So, you know, for a team like Chicago that, yeah, has a very good defense if their offense is going three and out and and not putting up points then eventually their defense is going to get tied and against an offense like that that's not that's not what you want so they need to figure it out on offense I think their defense is definitely good enough and and we've seen that throughout the weeks but but like Lou said I mean Nick Foles is god-awful and I was big on the Nick Foles train earlier in the season but I definitely agree they should have Trubisky back in give the kid a shot But other than that, yeah, I mean, it ain't looking too good for the Bears now. Yeah, and the Bears are going to have an important division game in a couple of weeks versus Minnesota because that's a team that's really kind of been on a road behind Dalvin Cook after their bye week. And it was another week that Dalvin Cook won games for his fantasy owners. And 
let's just talk about Dalvin really quickly, guys. Is he the best running back in the game right now? Is he, you know, around MVP talks? How, how are we feeling about Dalvin to this point? If the Vikings come back and get a wild card spot, he's absolutely in it, and he is 100% the best running back in the league at, at this very moment. Between catching the football, running it, breaking tackles, getting into space, uh, he, he is the best right now. I don't think there's a question. I have him on my fantasy team, so I'm biased. <laughs> Fair enough, Kev. But I, I have him in one of my leagues, too. Big win versus Joe Bruno this week. So it's, al- it's always good when you beat Joe B. But moving to our next game, guys, this one was a little bit of a shock, but the Bills shocked Seattle. And I thought that this was an impressive game for the Bills because, you know, this is a game where you would typically, you know, find Buffalo falling apart, you know, and coming up short versus a team like this outside of the division. But, you know, this definitely was an offensive-focused game. But Seattle's defense, man, it's costing them. It, It really is. I mean, I know they still have a really good record. But I also do still have to shift some blame to Russ in this one. He didn't have a good performance either. Two interceptions, two fumbles. And I don't want you guys to think anything into it. You know, Seattle's fine. This isn't like a panic thing. I just think that this showed, you know, a lot for Buffalo. This was a good Seattle team. Yeah, man. I just think it's time we all stop, like, equating Seattle with good defenses. Like, their defense is awful. I'm pretty sure it's ranked 28th or worse in every category possible. They're not good. They have no healthy running backs really at all. Uh, and again, Greg Olson's a million years old. DK Metcalf's the only great receiver they have. Tyler Locker was a punt returner before he got to Russ. So yeah, I mean, he, he Russ himself has to play better. But I mean, you can't let a, a Bills team dice you up for 40 something points that is just bad I mean Josh Allen played very well but I do think a lot of the Bills success that that night was was attributed to Seattle's defense being bad I mean I still think the Bills are a good team but man I don't know if they're 41 points consistently a good team that just blows my mind it's Seattle's defense is not good and, and I point all the blame towards Pete Carroll yeah Lou has a good point I mean as good as that Bills offense is you know, 40 points is a lot to give up against any offense. I think it's the same thing with Seattle. It's it's the defense. You know what I mean? We said with Chicago, it's the offense, and it's the flip side for Seattle. And I think, yeah, Russ does need to play better, but I do think he's starting to press a little bit and, you know, kind of try to do more with the football than he actually has to just because he knows his defense is so unreliable. So definitely, you know, like you said, Steve, nothing to panic about. I think it was just a bad week, tough matchup. But that Seattle defense definitely does need to get better because Russ and that offense deserve better. I mean, putting up mid to high 30 points, you know, a game should be winning you ball games, especially like Lou said, when you're a team that's always acquitted with the reputation of having a good defense, even though it's not anymore. You got to at least take some pride in that and at least make some adjustments throughout the season. No, they definitely do. And Seattle's going to have some tough division games coming up. I'm pretty sure they still have to play the Rams twice, and that's an offense that can explode at at any given point. But just going from the Bills to Miami, you know, those are two teams in the AFC East that are really sticking out to make a push. Kev, we know you're you're a a struggling Pats fan here, and usually you're in a a much prettier boat than than me and Lua to this point this season. But I can argue that after seeing how this Monday night game looks, that me and you can be in a very similar situation. I think Lou's sitting pretty right now. How do we feel about the AFC East and how that division's going to break down to this point? I think it's going to be competitive. I mean, Miami's a real contender. I think they have easily the best defense 
in the whole division. Buffalo, I would say, has the best offense because of the quarterback, and the Pats are obviously the best coached, I believe. I mean, Brian Flores is making a great case, so Sean McDermott for our coach of the year. But it's going to be competitive. It's going to go down to the wire, I think. I mean, if the Pats can get this game, get some momentum, everybody should be worried. But I mean, they still have to play the Bills again and the Dolphins again. So we'll see how those division games shake up. And for the first time in a long time, these games actually mean something. Yeah, I do think it's it's going to get interesting. I definitely think come closer to the end of the season, the Pats really won't be in the race just because, you know, they do have a ton of tough games coming up. That's really going to hurt them, especially getting off to the start they've gotten off to. But I mean, as far as the Dolphins, I think like Lou said, they really are a contender to win the division. And yeah, I know you said Buffalo has the better offense and I 100% agree, but I do think, you know, that Miami defense is really shocking a lot of people and they are putting up a lot of points. I know their defense also puts up some points too, but I mean, Tua has looked good in in his appearances, you know, not great, but good. And they do have a couple good pieces on offense, you know what I mean? So they could definitely get a couple games up on the Bills, and and towards the end of the season, I could definitely see it being a close race. And I think they still have to play each other again, right, those two teams, the Bills and the Dolphins? And, guys, just to feed off that Miami and, and Cardinals game a little bit, Tua definitely did look better. There's still some things in his game that, that I would still like to see. But, I mean, this is just his second game, so definitely not putting that pressure on him. Um, I think it's important that they're winning with him, him learning like that and, you know, not feeling the pressure or the struggling of losing, especially down in Miami. So, so that's definitely good there. But to go to the Cardinals, I think the Cardinals really need to start focusing on feeding D-Hop. I mean, he's their best player. They made a crazy trade in the offseason to get him there. But I don't know. I, I know Christian Kirk has been a pretty big difference maker throughout. But, I mean, D-Hop is going to win you games. We need to see the, the you know, 10 to 14 catch DeAndre Hopkins to dominate for your team. Yeah, they definitely have to get him more involved. Uh, the defense has to lock up a little more. I know they're banged up. Yeah, I thought both teams looked good. I saw a little more from Tua. Uh, still not on the bandwagon, but he is improving. Uh, and that's something good to see if you're a Dolphins fan. So, but yeah, no, the Cardinals definitely need to help out Kyler a little bit, get D-Hop more involved, and just really lock up in big spots. Like, you can't let Miami drive down the field like they did after Arizona had a big score and a comeback attempt. So, got to get better on both sides of the ball. And I, and I must say, with that game, Kyler did look look extremely dangerous in that one for those who think that he should still be in the MVP Offensive Player of the Year conversation. That game gave you a very good point of that. Moving to Lou's team, the Colts, definitely wasn't the result that you were looking for, Lou, but I thought that that was a pretty good game between the Ravens and the Colts. The Ravens had a strong second half, came back and won the game because we know that the Colts are winning 10-7 to at the end of the first half. But I also must say that it was a strong game by the Colts. And just to look at it with a little bit of fantasy perspective, because I am a Jonathan Taylor owner, um, I'm happy that I didn't play him in this game. And I'm not too confident on the role going forward. Look, they play Tennessee on Thursday. And I really don't know how I feel about it. What do you think about Jonathan Taylor going into Thursday? I think he'll be much better than he was. I know the fumble was was tough. I mean, he still got in the end zone, but the fumble was tough. But just on the game as a whole, shout out to our, our Ravens fans, Ty, 
in Big Tony. The Ravens are good, man. I, and this is kind of how I expected it to be. I mean, the Colts' defense played great. I mean, there's not there's only so much you can do when your offense is turning the ball over and and uh, not capitalizing when they have long possessions. You know, the defense looked very good. Darius is the difference maker. They really Lamar outside of a couple scrambles and some some a couple decent throws like really didn't kill them. But yeah, no, it was a positive positive game for me. It was very competitive. I think it showed that we can play with some of the best teams. We won't win all of them, but we can definitely play with them. And I'm hopeful uh, going into the short week versus Tennessee. It just sucks that they killed us on the schedule. We have to play Baltimore, Tennessee, Green Bay, Tennessee again, then Houston and the Raiders, followed by Houston again, I believe, ending the season in Jacksonville. So it's really tough. The Colts really got screwed. They're the only team, I believe, to this point that's only played one division game. Yeah, that is a tough stretch. And Kev, let me jump in here before you quick. Lou, with T.Y. being banged up, who do you trust to be, you know, the the wide receiver one? I know they have a lot of young guys, Pittman, Pascal, Johnson. I was thinking that maybe, you know, Marcus Johnson can develop to be the number one. He's gotten a lot of targets and just hasn't really hauled it in. I know you'd probably like to see Pittman. Or do you think it's just going to be more continued of, you know, the running back by committee, dink and dunk, and try and focus on the tight ends? Yeah, I think that's how it's going to be, Steve. Just going to be varied every week until they do make a big move for a receiver or until next year when we have a new quarterback who's hopefully much younger. I mean, there's only so much Rivers can do. But, I mean, it's we can't say the guy doesn't have some options. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't the Pats offense where it's – you know what I mean? Maybe one solid receiver. I mean, Pittman's a good young guy. Pascal has promise. You said Marcus Johnson. I mean, and then they have the running back by committee. And then we have three solid tight ends, man. I know Mo Alley Cox hasn't played, but he'll he'll be back soon. Mo Alley, Trey Burton, and Jack Doyle. I mean, those are some solid options. I think it all comes down to Rivers and kind of how they run the offense around him, which will be limited until he he kicks the can. But to move on from that game, Let's go back to that NFC South where the Falcons finally hold off and win a game. The Broncos definitely made, you know, a late fourth quarter push. I had Drew Locke as a, as a top 10 fantasy quarterback last week, and he definitely showed out to that. Jerry Judy had a big day, but I think this game speaks wonders for the Falcons, honestly, because we know that they're not going to be atop top of that division with the Saints and with the Bucks. But, you know, this is a team that, if they get enough wins and get around that 500, can very much be debated and talked about to be, you know, like I was saying with the 49ers, that seventh seed. We know the NFC East isn't going to produce more than one playoff team. The NFC West might produce a whole division if no one else can step up. So I definitely think that, that the Falcons look good after losing Dan Quinn. Yeah, it is what it is. Like I said, you know, on Sunday when I was doing the spreads, I mean, it, it comes down to the Falcons defense it always does and we know that offense can put up points and you know I expected the Falcons to win this game because this is a team in the Broncos where that offense isn't good enough to outscore the Falcons offense and that's really all it came down to and I think that's really right now the Falcons only chance of winning games is if they just play you know an opposing offense that flat out just can't outscore them because their defense is you know one of the worst in the league and you know, Matt Ryan puts up points, so you know he's going to sling it. So as long as they're playing teams like the Broncos, they're always going to win because they're always going to just outscore them at the end of the day. And lose a big Matt Ryan fan now after making a big trade in his keeper league. Lou, you want to you wanna share with everybody the, the move that you pulled off? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, we're in a keeper league, and I uh, am keeping Dalvin Cook losing a first-round pick. 
and I had McCaffrey in losing a second round pick for him. So I was offered trade because I'm out of the playoff running. So I gave up Rodgers, a four, and McCaffrey for a six, Matt Ryan and Derrick Henry. But I get to keep Derrick Henry as a 10th round guy. So I get my second round pick back, get to keep my third, and I go into next year with uh, Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry, which I feel very good about. But on the game note, Falcons are a big time sleeper, but tell me not, I'm going to give you guys this comparison. Drew Locke is the new stat Padford. I promise you guys this. Every time they play, he's only good in the fourth quarter in garbage time, which results in a great comeback like it did versus the Chargers or in a failed effort and looks good in the stat sheet like it did versus the Falcons. Same type of big guy, big arm, can move a little bit. I think he's the new stat Padford. I understand the comparison. I, I'm still trying to process that. I feel like I haven't even like seen enough Drew Locke yet. He, I feel like he gives us like four games a year when he throws you know, crazy stats out like this, and then he plays like the rest banged up. I definitely think, you know, Stafford is a little more polished passer, but, you know, the build and, and the rep and all that stuff definitely fits the mold. So I got you there, Lou. And, Lou, I'm going to come to you with this next game first, and it's the Chargers slip up again. Herbert drove the team down the field. Uh, looked like he got a little banged up at the end of that game, but he came back in uh, and was all right. But, you know, there was a drop touchdown pass. But, you know, my real question, you know, with the Chargers is I get Mike Williams is a huge threat. I know Keenan Allen sees a whole lot of volume and kind of moves them up and down the field. But after those two guys, why is a third string tight end going in to get that jump ball and it's not Hunter Henry? I mean, Hunter Henry is a team captain for the Chargers. And I just haven't seen them put any sort of focal point or emphasis on, on having him be a difference maker and a game changer. And I would think with the running game being as banged up as it is, especially with Justin Jackson going down last game, that they would really try and have a player like that, especially in a contract year, start to make a difference. So that's my big question there. Yeah, I don't know, man. And it's funny. I heard someone say this on TV. Usually our QBs can get coaches fired because of how bad they play. But I think Justin Herbert's going to get Anthony Lynn fired because because of how good he's playing. You know what I mean? Like this guy is giving it all on the line. The offense is producing every week and the defense just blows it. And in another questionable decision by Anthony Lynn, so I'd have Hunter Henry receiving that. I don't understand it, man. It, it's just kind of crazy. I, I don't know what to do about that. I mean, I think the Raiders got real lucky, really lucky, uh, even though they played a solid game. But man, Anthony Lynn, dude, if he can't close out a game, because you can't blame the rookie. If he was a sophomore and he had a full year under his belt, I could see the Herbert blame. But, man, Anthony Lynn's really got to do some adjusting. But, yeah, that, that's my whole thing with the Chargers. And, and Lou, I, I definitely don't think that that's a bad point, you know, with the whole Anthony Lynn thing. I definitely think that they should be winning games. Just a whole crazy scenario there because, you know, I, I think everyone, I don't want to say likes and respects Anthony Lynn, but, you know, I, I just feel like people have high expectations for him. And when they're falling short, I definitely see your point there. But, guys, a game that we didn't expect to have the outcome that it did. Well, we expected the outcome, but the process to get there definitely was a struggle. And that was the Steelers and the Cowboys. Big Ben and the Steelers limped past the Cowboys. And we saw Big Ben got banged up, guys. He said both of his knees are really hurt. And we saw him pointing at that left knee in the middle of the game um, that was really ailing him. But, you know, that running game really didn't help them out too much either. So I, I definitely wasn't expecting that verse versus the Cowboys game, unless you guys think, you know, Gilbert, the Cowboys quarterback, is the new answer. 
I don't know if it's the answer, man. I just think Pittsburgh uh, played down to the competition. Didn't look great. Big Ben's knees are a concern now. I think Dallas will sneak a win by a couple of teams coming up because I think people underestimating them as far as talent goes. But yeah, man, definitely need to see the Steelers pick it up because you can't just play down to your competition because it's not always going to be all sunshine and rainbows at the end of the game. Yeah, I agree. Definitely need to play better. And like Lou said, definitely, you know, shouldn't be playing down to teams like this. But at the same time, I'm not going to knock the Steelers too much. I mean, when you're 8-0, some of the wins are going to be a breeze and some of them, you know, you're going to have to just grind out. And that's what it is when you know, you don't lose football games. Sometimes you just got to grind them out, and that's what they did. So definitely would be cautious about Big Ben. Definitely, for me, was a big uh-oh moment when he uh, when he was listed as questionable. But hopefully he can stay healthy throughout the rest of the season because if he does, then that sales team's a real threat come playoff time. Nah, fair enough, Kev. That's a good point. We were really saying that earlier with Seattle, just, you know, a little hiccup in the road. And this is another team where I don't think it's anything major at all, just, you know, a hiccup in the road. So I'm going to understand your point in the bad game from the Steelers there, but it's the Bucks, and their ship really sunk this week versus the Saints. It never really got back to Tampa, honestly. And you weren't expecting that, you know, in a division game that they kind of needed to win, especially after losing to them in week one. And I know that that's a tough scenario where they played them in week one. Um, that definitely wouldn't have been the first game of choice. I'm sure they would have rather played them in week 17 because now most likely if the Saints finish the season strong, which I'm assuming that they will because they do this every single year, that the Bucs will probably get in through the wild card. So this could be a game, a, a matchup that we see possibly again down the road. And I think that one would definitely go a different direction because teams that play each other three times would definitely be a big struggle. But, you know, no one really got it going for the Bucs. That offense as a whole struggled. Like I said, the Saints are always a team that plays a regular season good, but when it comes to playoff time, has their struggles. You guys agree as far as everything I said with the Saints and Bucks? Yeah, man. I honestly think a lot of it is – I think the Saints just have their number. I mean, the one weakness of the Bucks defense is maybe their secondary, even though it's good. I think that has the biggest questions just because they're known for the pass rush. But, you know, I just think that the, the Saints come out hot and they're a hard team and they're really diverse on offense. Uh, I don't know why the Bucs can't score on them. I can't figure that out. That's just mind-boggling. Uh, I, maybe it was just, I don't know. I mean, Brady looked terrible. The offense looked awful. They couldn't get anything going. Ton of drop plays. Gronk made a huge drop in the end zone. It was just very weird. But I think they'll bounce back. But the Saints definitely have some momentum and they're in the driver's seat in that division. And it is theirs to blow. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Like I said with the Steelers, you know, it's a bad game. You know, it's a bad loss and definitely a tough loss for, you know, the division's sake. But I think it was that offense just really not clicking. You know, you could see they were kind of force-feeding Antonio Brown a little bit. So that definitely didn't make probably a lot of people happy. But I think it's just, you know, one of those games that, you know, just a tough matchup and, you know, they just weren't prepared. And, you know, there was probably a lot going on with, you know, AB all week, just all the hype around the, the, the Tampa Bay offense now and stuff like that. So I think it was just a tough week to start with. And I think that they'll be all right. I think they'll probably definitely make the wild card if they don't end up winning the division and, and they'll be fine. Kev, I definitely agree, and that's going to wrap things up. We still have, you know, our Monday night game under the rope, so we can't give you guys the end result of that, but it's all good because it's just the Pats anyway. Right, Kev? Can't do an MVP.
<laughs> yeah, right. But guys, that wraps things up for this episode. Before we finish, we just want to remind you guys, consider committing a donation to a great cause. I'm going to be donating canned goods the week of Thanksgiving to the East Boston Community Soup Kitchen. I'm going to keep on trying to get our number up for that and help families in need that aren't going to be able to you know, sit at the table with their friends and family for Thanksgiving. Big news for Since the Sandbox this week. We have an, a guest coming up on our show. If everybody knows Overtime Sports from Instagram, we have Overtime Mitch coming on. Uh, Going to be a really fun one getting ready to meet with him. And, and Lou and Kev, we're getting all excited for that. Uh, but you guys know the deal. You heard our impressions. You know what's coming next. We're going to have our fantasy episode, our games of the week, all coming to you. Since the sandbox, baby, we out. Peace.